Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, how you doing? Teching 101 back with a twirl. Yes. Oh, I should bring that up. Um, because Big Mom fell down the hole in the last chapter, I had to take away her poster and replace it with somebody else, okay, to fill out the Yonko row here. And I just felt, you know, like that Usopp was the best option there. I know Luffy is considered the fifth emperor, but he's not quite there yet, ladies and gentlemen. He defeats Kaido, then we'll talk. But in the meantime, it just works. We have Kaido of the Beast. We have God Usopp. We have, um... Actually, does Blackbeard have an epithet? I think Blackbeard is actually just his epithet. Just kind of like how, like, Edward Newgate's epithet was Whitebeard, so it's Marshall D. Teach, Blackbeard, whatever. And then we have Red-Haired Shanks. I mean, it just works, right? Absolutely. Any complaints? I thought not. Okay, this will be One Piece, Chapter 1041 Review, titled Komurasaki. It doesn't sound right when I say it that way. <clears throat> Komurasaki! That's better. You gotta say it like Orochi. Alright, so we continue on with the Jerma Double Sixes emotionless excursion. And this is a funny one. We have Niji and Yonji still tacked into the book on Kakao Island, but now we have Pudding making her reappearance in the story. She was actually there in the background a few cover series ago, but you know, now we're actually seeing her approach Niji and Yonji, and she punches them both square in the face because, of course, she really loves Sanji now after what everything that happened at Totland. And, um, you know, she was a little bit tsundere, yandere towards Sanji there for a little while, but she does care about him. And so now here are his brothers in the book, but she knows that, like, oh, they were mean to him growing up. How dare you be mean to Sanji? So she goes over and uses her secret technique, the pudding punch, against both of them and actually does a fair amount of damage. Yonji looks, like, pretty beaten up and he's bleeding, and they all obviously can't move because they're thumbtacked in uh, in uh, Montdor's book. But yeah, man, where, where was that technique at during Totland Pudding? You could have taken out Katakuri all by yourself, right? Her fist isn't even bleeding or anything. You know how hard the German Double Six's skin is? It's like an exoskeleton made of, like, steel or something. She's just, bam, bam! <laughs> now, it's, it's honestly probably just for, like, comedic effect, the same way that, like, Nami can beat the crap out of Luffy whenever he does something stupid and he's all like swollen and he has like a black eye and he's bleeding even though he's made of rubber and it's just it's comedic effect or rather it's it's only Nami is able to physically injure Luffy in that way right of course but you know so Pudding's making her appearance in the cover series so we'll see where it goes all right so we continue right where we left off last chapter with Momonosuke and Yamato's conversation um you know he's talking about Zunisha arriving on the island and how you know oh he used to be the Nakama of Joy Boy over 800 years ago during
during the void century, but he committed some sort of crime, and now Zunisha is cursed to walk the oceans for all eternity, right? And so it opens up right away with Momonosuke saying, I was only able to communicate with Zunisha for a very brief amount of time, and I wasn't really able to learn anything substantially new. Pretty much everything that we know right now that Zunisha is, you know, about a thousand years old, used to be an ally of Joy Boy, and was cursed to walk the seas. That's pretty much all that Momo learned about Zunisha during his time on Zoe. Um, so I, I, over, I overestimated that, essentially. I thought because, you know, he spent a lot of time on Zoe before he went to Wano with Inuarashi, I assumed, you know, Momonosuke's there in, like, the Avatar stance or whatever, like, you know, awakening to his true power, learning everything about, you know, Zunisha. Like, they go into, like, a pseudo-space together. It's like this big, white, open area, and it's just the elephant and Momonosuke there, and it's like, teach me everything about the universe. And Zunisha's like, yes, I shall teach you. You know, and he, like, learns, like, they mind-melded or something, and they learn the true history of everything, right? That, that wasn't what happened, okay? So that's all that Momonosuke was able to learn. However, Zunisha arrives now and is uh, telepathically communicating with Momonosuke of like, I have arrived, Momonosuke, at the land of Wano. Give me your orders. I await your orders. I have come to fight by your side. Now, I just did a video about this yesterday, talking about the nature of the punishment and everything involving Zunisha, and more importantly, how that punishment could be lifted. And I honestly think at this point, the punishment that Zunisha is, is carrying out, right, it's not necessarily something given by another party, like the world government or Joy Boy, it might be a self-imposed punishment on Zunisha. Like, way back in the day, it could have been, like, Zunisha was essentially the ship, or the boat, or the mobile fortress for Joy Boy and the Clan of D, and when Joy Boy had his big final climactic showdown with the world government, or rather the 20 kings and their armies that would become the world government, uh, maybe Zunisha wasn't able to be there to help, or something happened and Zunisha couldn't assist Joy Joy Boy, and then eventually Joy Boy died there and lost the war, right? So because of that failure in its life, Zunisha's like, I need to walk the seas as penance for that, right? Until a, a day where I am forgiven by the next Joy Boy or something, or until the day where the Tenryubito fall or something. So yeah, uh, a lot of stuff still going on with Zunisha. We don't really touch upon so much of it in this chapter, but a little bit. So Yamato is ecstatic. Yamato is like, oh my god, that's incredible, Momonosuke. You're able to communicate with that elephant. You can really speak to it, and that's all written in the logbook. Like, Odin predicted this. Odin predicted that you're the one meant to, like, talk to the elephant and, like, change the world. And we still don't know exactly what Odin wrote in the book. Well, actually, we do find out what Odin wrote in the damn book. Next scene here, Momonosuke is like, yeah, 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 I, I read uh, my dad's journal, my dad's logbook, and it's through that that I learned that I'm not supposed to die. I have to continue on because, like, I have a purpose. I have a thing I need to do. However, all of the pages in the logbook that were, like, about Laugh Tale and what Roger and all of the pirates and Odin saw, he ripped those out. Odin, man, you are the greatest troll in the One Piece story, I gotta tell you that. You're still a Chad, don't get me wrong, you're still a Chad, but like, I'm just saying, if he would have left those pages in the book, 
We could be finding out what the One Piece, we might have found out what it was already, right? So I knew it! I knew it! Alright, like, in that, in that episode, in those chapters, when we had Odin's flashback, and he was writing in the logbook, and he's like, what are the ancient weapons? What is the Will of D? What is on Laugh Tale? He's like, well, Roger looked upon it, and he just laughed. And then it was like, well, did he write down in the book what was on Laugh Tale? And a lot of people were like, nah, he wouldn't have done that because maybe that was against Roger's wishes or some other reason why he wouldn't have written it, written it down. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I mean, he should have written it down. Well, he did write it down, but then later he's like, you know what? And it, it was probably for good reason. It was probably like, well... If this book ever gets in the wrong hands, I've literally wrote down one of the biggest secrets in the entire world on these pages. I, I should probably remove them so no one ever reads about, like, it might be a problem, right? So, I understand why Odin did it, but that's just so funny to me, right? It's like, we're right about to find out what the One Piece is, and it's gone. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, so here's the problem that Momonosuke is, is dealing with right now. He's like, okay, my dad died over 20 years ago, or my dad died 20 years ago, exactly. Odin was not a psychic. He was not a, a clairvoyant or a prophet or anything like that. Back then, he wanted to open up the, the doors of Wano because of the arrival of Joy Boy and everything from what he saw at Laugh Tale. So Momonosuke is having a crisis because he's like, look, I don't know what my dad saw. I don't know what the One Piece is on Laugh Tale. The thing that made Odin change his mind and return to Wano to open its borders, I have not, I don't have that knowledge like he did, okay? But at the same time, it's like, with everything that's going on right now in the present, my dad couldn't have foreseen this stuff. So, if my dad was still alive today, if Odin was still with us and witnessed all the crap happening with the world government, with Orochi, with Kaido and everything, would he still want to open the borders? And Momonosuke is like, I feel cowardly because with everything happening in the world, I don't want to open the borders of Wano. Like, even if I do, even if we do defeat Kaido and we do defeat Orochi and I do become the Shogun, you know, I don't know if I even want to open up the borders of Wano, considering what the world government is attempting to do and everything like that. Um, I, I, I'm like really conflicted here. And so Momonosuke begins to cry and say, does that make me a coward? for wanting uh, Wano to remain isolated. Does that make me a coward, Yamato? And Yamato doesn't really respond. Um, she just kind of looks to Momonosuke with like a shocked expression on her face and stuff. I don't know if that's like, oh, Momonosuke, it's okay, we'll figure this out. Or if it's like, that's not what was written in the book. How dare you go back on Odin's words, you know? Or it's a whole new perspective because like, this is what's happening in the here and now. Not really sure. All right, so that's with that scenario. Now we cut over to Raizo and Fukuro Roku-Ju's battle, although it's not a battle anymore because we finally get confirmation from the narrator that Raizo is the victor. Fuku, Roku-Ju falls. The entire area, the whole room is just a freaking uh, hellscape right now. Just a wash in flames. And Raizo has a moment. He was like super dedicated up until now. We know how Raizo was. He actually had one of the best moments from the scabbards in this entire battle, I want to say. But he has this moment where he's like, I will stand sentinel. I shall not budge despite the flames that are licking at my bottom right now. For I am Rizo of the Mist. I am a member of Odin's Scabbards. I've endured heat and flames 10,000 times worse than this Fuku Rokuju. You will perish before I do. And then finally Fuku Rokuju falls and Rizo's like, 
Mm. Holy crap, that's hot! Ah, stop, drop, and roll! Stop, drop, and roll! Ninja roll jutsu! You know, like, he immediately is just like, holy crap! Wow, I almost died there. I mean, I mean, it doesn't hurt at all, for I am Odin's scabbard, but... Oh my god! You know, there's like, like, it's like Rizo was like, I had a really cool moment there for like 30 chapters. He couldn't keep it up though, right? Hey, I don't want Rizo to die, alright? He was willing to die, but as soon as Fukurokuju collapsed, he's like, Wait a second, I don't have to die? Alright, oh my god! Give me a fire extinguisher for the love of god, please! A cold bath! You know, something, a refreshing iced tea! Just, oh my god, I'm so dehydrated right now, okay. Anyway, uh, he collapses, Jinbei runs by and just kind of sees him off to the, off to the side, and Jinbei's like, whoa, you're still here? Like, what were you doing in this room? This whole area's on fire! And Raizo's like, uh, yes, uh, you are one of, uh, Straw Hat's friends, yes, please, I, I appear to be extremely, uh, burned right now. I, I am very much third-degree burned. Could you please carry me to safety? The preparations are nearing completion anyway. So Raizo says this, and we're assuming that Jinbei saves him. Um, no, Jinbei just runs by. He's just like, well, you have fun with that. And he just keeps on running. No, um, and also Jinbei can use, like, you know, he can manipulate water, so maybe as soon as they get to an area with water, Jinbei will douse Raizo or whatever. But, um, he mentions the preparations. He mentions, all oh, the preparations are pretty much complete at this point. So, what does exactly Raizo mean with that? Preparations? I mean, the entire time, the last, you know, many chapters, he's been deadlocked with Fuku Rokuju. Well, we immediately cut over next to Orochi and Komurasaki's uh, scene. So I like to think that the preparations Raizo was mentioning was something to deal with Orochi um, and also Denjiro because Denjiro has just dropped off the uh, entire arc. He hasn't been around for like several dozen chapters, right? Uh, but I think Denjiro is definitely going to appear here and this is going to be the finale for Orochi. It, it's not going to be so much a fight because like Denjiro versus Orochi if he was serious, I mean I don't care that Orochi can, like, you know, regrow a head. It would literally be Denjiro just slicing off all of his heads, and then he grows them back, and then he slices them down again. There's just no way Orochi could defeat Denjiro in combat like that, right? So it's not going to be a straight-up fight, but it is going to be the conclusion of Orochi's, like, story arc here, okay? So I think it's possible that, like, I don't know, maybe after the Scabbards beheaded Orochi, uh, later on they found out he can revive, and they've been communicating with, like, the, the little pond snail things, and so maybe that's what Raizo was referring to, like, oh, like, Denjiro, Denjiro got on the snails, and he's just like, hey, uh, Orochi's still alive, and, uh, I'm gonna be the one to deal with him, okay, so I just need you to keep everybody, maybe that's the reason Raizo was holding off Fukurokuju, because Fukurokuju is, like, the only ally that Orochi has left, and so, you know, Jinjiro's like, hey, hold off Fukurokuju so he doesn't have backup. I'm going to be the one to finish him off once and for all, okay? And so the other scabbards, the ones that were still conscious, like Kawamatsu and, uh, and uh, Raizo, were like, sure, yeah, we'll do that. So that's why they haven't really been getting involved at all. Um, I actually kind of feel bad for Kawamatsu. He hasn't really done much this entire battle, has he? He fought against Kaido, and that was pretty much it. I mean, it was cool, but like he hasn't really done much since then. Sorry, Kawamatsu. He was probably the scabbard that got... At least Ashura Doji had that cool moment where he's just like, for Odin! 
Odin, boom! You know, Kawamatsu is just, just kind of there in the background, whatever. But anyway, um, I'm thinking that's the preparations that he meant. So we see Orochi now really losing his cool. I mean, he was sort of calmed down by Komurasaki there for a little while because it's like his lost love that apparently came back from the grave and is like singing a song that he always loves and he's like lying his giant bulbous head on her lap and they're just having a nice time there and Orochi's thinking that like Fuku Rokuju any moment's gonna bust through that door and we're gonna get out of here, right? He's gonna protect me and we're gonna escape Onigashima, right? But Fuku Rokuju hasn't arrived yet and the battle's getting more intense and the, the ceiling's beginning to cave in and Orochi's becoming a little bit more nervous here. So now not even the, uh, the, uh, the, the strumming of Komurasaki's uh, Biwa is able to satiate him now. He's beginning to be like really freaking out. Like, he's like, what's going on here? Where is that Fuku Rokuju? I knew I couldn't trust that ninja when it came down to it. And why are you still singing that song, Komurasaki? Why are you still playing the Shimisen or the Biwa? I don't even know what that instrument is called. Why are you still playing your guitar? You know, this is no time for this, lady. We have to leave. Are you even really her? Are you a ghost? Because I'd be okay if you were a ghost. But still, like, that's not... This isn't the time for this, you know? And so, eventually, as he's ranting, the, the ceiling just caves in on him. It's perfect. And so he just gets crushed by the ceiling, but he can't transform into his Yamato no Orochi form. So he's like, eh, what is this? Orochi, transform! Eh. Eh. I can't do that. What's going on? And so this is, oh, this is where everything drops. This is great. I want you to imagine this, okay? Hiori has been waiting for this moment for 20 years of her life, ever since she was a little kid. She's been waiting for this moment to finally take revenge for her father and her mother's death at this asshole, okay? So she's still strumming. She's still playing. And she's just like, <laughs> Oh, ara, 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 ara. You didn't notice, did you, Lord Orochi? It's like, oh, notice what? It's just like, hmm, I impaled you with a sea stone nail so you would be unable to transform. <laughs> it's like, why would you do such a thing, Komurasaki? Why? And why are you always wearing that mask? Take off the mask! It is, why do you always play it when you play the Shemison? And she's just like, hmm, yes, my mask. You know, it's a rather interesting thing, Orochi, that you prefer this song. This song that I play is your favorite. It's called Moon Princess, which was actually, fun fact, the same song that my father loved as well. It was his favorite tune as well. And, you know, he's like, what? Your father? Who was your father? Kozuki Odin, my lord. What do you mean, Kozuki Odin? That would mean that you're... Oh, no! I done messed up. And just like, yes, you did. <laughs> just like, you did. As the understatement of the fucking millennium. You messed up, my lord. Oh my god, this is great. And we don't see the reveal. We don't see it. We just see Komurasaki like a close-up of her mask and saying, that, you know, Odin loved this song and now he's dead uh, by your hands, basically. You know, I cannot, how could I be happy while singing this song? So that's the reason why every time she sings that song, Moon Princess, she puts on the mask because she's crying underneath. She's sad because of the death of her father, okay? And so she reveals her name. She re Well, she doesn't reveal like I am Hiyori, but she reveals that my father is Kozuki Odin and that uh, I could never smile while playing this song. I never had a modicum of feelings for you. How could I, right? And so we cut away from that scene, but oh man, this is gonna be fun where 
you know, Komurasaki's gonna get, like, a, a, she's gonna cut off his head, and then he's gonna revive somehow. Although he has the sea prism in him right now, so I'm not exactly sure how that'll go. But then Dinjiro will also get a moment where he cuts him down, too. I feel like Orochi's death is going to be a little bit more seinen than a little bit rest of the One Piece story. He's gonna, Oda's gonna get away with it better. Maybe he went to the editors and be like, hey, Orochi's a real big asshole. We have to kill him in kind of a brutal way. It has to be like, yeah. He's like, alright, we'll give you one chapter where you could go a little bit more seinen with it, but just don't go overboard. He's like, okay. You know, there'll just probably be a lot more blood, I'm thinking. Okay. So now we cut over to uh, Izo fighting against Cypher Pole Zero, and we're actually like in the middle of the final clash. So we skipped over a lot of this fight. I'm assuming we'll get more of it in the anime, but you know, time restraints and everything, we really have to move on to Kaido and Luffy's fight. So we have the just the final moment basically where uh, Izo and one of the members of Cypher Pole 9, the guy that has like the tribal mask on the stick that he was like holding, they're clashing in midair where the uh, CP9, uh, not CP9, the CP0 agent uses Shigan and then Izo takes out his pistol. They're like in midair like, Boom! Boom! And they both hit the ground at the same time, both defeated. So, applause for Izo. He actually managed to take out one of the members of Cypher Pool Zero, one of the masked members, if if nothing else. And honestly, I was worried for a second. They're not worried, but I was thinking like, wait, is the reason why Izo won because that one Cypher Pool Nine agent he has to keep his mask on by holding the stick, so he was fighting him with one arm the entire time. But no, if you see the scene, he actually is using both of his arms, so the mask can stay on regardless. It's just he likes to hold it with the stick, I guess. I don't know. But it's a really cool scene. Also considering the fact Izo started this battle pretty worn out with a gaping chest wound. And by the way, Izo's looking pretty rough here. I mean, there's blood coming out of his mouth, out of his nose, out of his eyes, it looks like. It literally looks like his eye is just like just seeping blood as he's just like firing the shots. Like he probably can't even see two feet in front of him anymore. He's just like, Kiku, you must live. This is the last act of Izo, you know, and so he really gives it his all, and he's understanding. Like same thing with Rizo. This is it. I'm gonna die here, but I'm going out. I'm taking one of you dumbasses with me, right? That's how it's gonna go, right? And so they both hit the ground at the same time. The other masked member of Cypher Pole Zero, the dude that's like with the bowler hat, that's like the boss. He's watching the battle, and he looks pretty exhausted as well. He's not completely defeated yet. Um, he can still get up and move, but he's bleeding, and he looks like he's panting, like, oh man. Damn you, Izo! Why are you? He was like coming at us with like the rage of a beast or whatever. Also, I'm not really sure if this is the name of the Cypherpole uh, Zero agent. I keep saying Cypherpole Nine, force of habit. But anyway, um, when he falls, the guy with the tribal mask, he drops the mask, and we kind of see his face. It's obscured by shadow and a lot of his blood. Um, but then he sort of says, "Maha." You know, and I don't know if that's like, it's just like an onomatopoeia for like him gagging or something, like choking on his own blood, like, Maha! You know, like whatever, like he's defeated. But that might be his name. Um, so I'm just gonna call this guy Maha for right now, right? Because, you know, we don't really know any of the names of the Cypher Pool Zero agents, right? Well, anyway, the guy with the bowler hat, 
he's kind of like all wounded and he sort of gets up and he's just like, oh man, we don't have time for this. We gotta, I, he's not even gonna like make sure Izo's dead. He's just not even worried about that. He's like, he was given a job to capture Nico Robin. And so that's what he's gotta do, right? So he, he pulls himself up and he's like, I don't get paid enough for this shit. And he starts to walk away to find Robin when his Den Den Mushy rings. And he's just like, you kind of feel it from this guy at this point. He's just like, oh my God, why? So he answers the Den Den Mushy. It's the other remaining CP0 agent that's still currently in the indestructible waiting room. Although the indestructible waiting room's looking a little bit sorry. It's finally beginning to catch fire. Also, a nice little scene is we see the go board. The go board they were keeping track of the fight the entire night has now been completely destroyed and is on fire. So they're not even doing that anymore, right? So the last remaining Cypher Pull Zero agent, he's in the room and he's like relaying a message to this dude. And he's like, uh, yeah, so, oh, and by the way, one more thing. People have thought it was a theory that that last Cypher Pull Zero guy was the Grim Reaper that was about to reap Zoro's soul and he like saw him like that because he's like a tall lanky dude so maybe it was that guy. I don't think it was because it, it seemed like he just stayed in this room the entire time everything's been going on like he never left. But anyway he gets the Den Den Mush and he's talking to his boss and he's like hey boss how you doing? He's like freaking Izo man. Maha's down. Uh, I'm beat to shit. I'm gonna try to find Robin. And he's like, yeah, about that. Um, so we actually have new orders from the Gorosei. And he's like, new orders from the Gorosei. What do they want from us? You know, we're only three people. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I know that. But um, yeah, we're supposed to bring in Straw Hat Luffy now. Or we're supposed to eliminate Straw Hat Luffy. It's just like, eliminate Straw Hat Luffy. <laughs> He's fighting Kaido. I'm not getting in the middle of that crap. I'm not. Yeah. All right. I'll just capture Nico Robin really quick and then teleport up to the roof where I'll use my divine cypher pull zero power to stop a fight between Kaido of the fucking beast and straw hat Luffy. And then I'll just grab him and twist his head off and bring him to the Gorosei. Why not, right? I got enough to do. And so it's like he's having like a mental breakdown with his job right at this moment, right? He's just like, I'm tired of this crap. You know, I have no vacation days working for the world government. Yeah, 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 I know that. I know that. But that just goes to show how dangerous this battle is. You know, this battle between Luffy and Kaido, um, it, it's going to change the world. So that's why Luffy needs to be eliminated. So the Gorosei gave the order. They really can't ignore it. They have to, like, it literally comes down to either they do it or they die. There's really no room for failure in Cypher Pole Ages Zero. You know what I mean? So basically this guy, the bowler hat dude, is like, all right. I guess I'm I guess I'm gonna die today, basically, because there's no way I'm gonna be able to do all this crap, but alright. By the way, what's this guy doing? This guy in the in the reception room, he's like, yeah, I'd help you, but um, you know, one of us has to stay behind to, you know, be the guy to receive phone calls in case the Gorosei ring back, so you're on your own, buddy. Click. She's like so he's, yeah, I, I, he's pretty beat up himself. I don't really think this dude's gonna be able to do much of anything. But in the meantime, while that's happening, Drake emerges from the rubble. He was previously defeated by them. He's bleeding pretty bad. Well, I thought he, he wasn't dead, if anybody thought he was. He emerges and he kind of sees him as he's walking away. And he's like, Drake is like, I'm not gonna die yet without, you know, doing something in Onigashima. I haven't really done anything in this arc. I'm not going down without having a moment in this story. And so it, it seems like Drake, I'm 
mortally wounded Drake is going to fight against this heavily injured uh, bowler hat guy, the boss of Cypherpole Zero here at Wana, right? So that's going to be probably his final clash, and it's it's once again probably going to be like Izo and Maha. We're probably going to cut away and not see the majority of the fight, and then see Drake in like his hybrid form just raining blows down on the last Cypherpole agent and be like, I did it! And then he fell, he falls down, right? Um, Izo is off to the side, still alive, just barely hanging on. And Izo is overhearing this conversation about like eliminate Straw Hat Luffy. You know, if if he manages to get out of this, it can change the world. He needs to be taken out. And so and this this harkens back to like you know chapters ago, like hundreds of chapters ago, where the Goros say we're like looking at Luffy's wanted poster. I think even right after he defeated Crocodile was the first time they actually paid attention to Luffy and they looked at him and like this Straw Hat kid, man, he needs to be dealt with. You know, and so this is kind of like now the Goros say are actually like, like Luffy should be proud. The Gorosei, supposedly the five people that rule over the entire world, not really, it's Eam, but they're pretty high up there. You know, they're, they're second in charge of the entire world, and they are personally calling for the head of Luffy. If Luffy heard that, he'd probably be like, Aw, gee shucks, Gorosei, that's just awesome of you. I guess I'm a pretty big deal now, huh? I guess that means I'm a great pirate. Luffy would love that. He would gush if he found out about that. Oh my god, that'd be so cool if, like, Izo survived, or, like, Drake, like, after the events of Wano went up to Luffy and like, you know what, we overheard the Goro say, really want you dead, Luffy. And Luffy would be like, seriously? Awesome! Who are the Goro say, Nami? They're the five leaders of the world. Wow, that's really awesome! <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. Anyway, so Izo's off to the side though, like, what is with this crew? What is with the Straw Hats? I, I guess he means the Straw Hats. Um, so now we cut over to the basement level where we have Hamlet and Usopp uh, rushing through the burning hallways trying to get uh, Kinaimon and Okiku out of there alive. So they're currently doing that. Outside we have a scene with Carrot and Wanda. The entire uh, actual ground, like the earth that's supporting the mountain of Onigashima is beginning to fall apart because the clouds are falling. So they're like, we should get back under the dome of Onigashima because if we stay out here, the ground is literally falling apart. So it's like, okay. So they go back inside. We cut over to Zoro and Frankie. Frankie manages to save Zoro. It seems like right before like the ground collapsed and Zoro fell down, that's when Frankie jumped in with his like extendable, you know, strong right, his cyborg arm, and he's like winching him back up. And he's like, hey, Zoro, you okay? Speak to me, bro. You know, he's like, he's pulling him back up. So way to go, Frankie. He managed to save the day there. Um, now we cut over to Nami and Zeus where they're just overhearing everything happening. Zeus is kind of upset because Big Mom has fallen. And, you know, he's like, Mama, she's gone. And Nami's like, hey, who do you care about, me or Big Mom? And he's like, oh, Nami, you, Nami. Yes, Mistress Nami. She's like, damn straight. Okay, so they're aware of it. Now we cut over to uh, Law and Kid. So we're basically just, like, recapping really quick with all the characters that have had their battles and where they're at right now trying to get out of Onigashima. But they can't really get out of Onigashima because it's flying, so it's basically just, I think everybody's just going to be pushed together in the center of Onigashima and just praying that the rubble doesn't hit them and praying that Luffy can win, right? Because they, they can't go anywhere else. They can't even get outside now because the entire area around the castle is collapsing. So we have Kid and Law there, and the roof is falling down above them, and Kid is there just like, <clears throat> Hey, uh, Trafalgar, if uh, Kaido comes down through that ceiling, uh, you up for another round? And Law's like, 
Nope. I'm completely tapped. I don't even think I can move an inch from where I'm at right now. If Kaido came down there and, and Luffy failed, I wouldn't even have the strength to resist. He would just kill me and that would be it. And Kid's like, yeah, I'm about in the same boat. So they're, you know, they're rivals with Luffy. They're rivals with each other. But at the end of the day, they have to put their faith in Luffy because they know they have no way of fighting back. They're completely spent, completely drained. They maybe have like two more awakenings in them. Okay, no, they're done. They're done. So they're just, they have nothing left to do but just wait and heal and just hope that Luffy's the one that comes out the victor because if Kaido does, there's nobody else that can oppose him. It's over, right? And then uh, we have the final scene of the chapter where we see the headliners themselves, not the headliners like Hamlet, but we cut over to four tricks to see what he was doing. Hold'em! What's been up with Hold'em this entire time? No, we see the headliners of the arc, ladies and gentlemen. We see Luffy and Kaido clashing. Um, Kaido has a moment he like senses with his observation that like, Lin Lin, they destroyed her. She fell into the hole. No! And so Kaido's actually kind of choked up about this. And Luffy's like, wow, Law and Kid managed to defeat Big Mom. I knew they were awesome. Not as awesome as me, but they were pretty good. And Kaido's just like, they defeated her. And so Kaido flashes back to the first time he ever met Big Mom. Um, and we don't see him at this point. It's like his POV, right? So we just see him looking at, at Big Mom. And uh, at this point, Big Mom says like, Oh, how old are you, right? And then Kaido says 15. And then Big Mom's like, Ah, 15. To, to be young again. Is this the first time you're joining up with uh, the Rocks crew? And so if Kaido was 15 in this flashback, uh, Big Mom is... Wait a second, Kaido's 59, Big Mom is 68, so he's nine years, so she's nine years older than him, so she'd be 24 in this scene, okay? This is when they first met, okay? And so Big Mom's like, is this the first time you're joining up with Rox's crew? Well, he's a scumbag. Don't trust a single thing he says, but you can trust me. I am Charlotte Linlin, the one that will become king of this world, of the pirates, right? And so that was their first meeting. And uh, after this, Kaido begins to weep. He begins to go into his sad, crying, drunk form, because it's kind of weird, even though Kaido and Big Mom like hated each other in recent years and they were like clashing and everything before they formed their alliance. Um, you know, we don't know much about Kaido's backstory, but it's possible that Big Mom might have been like one of the closest things he's had to like family. Not really a mother, more maybe like an older sister kind of figure, but it's like all he had, right? Um, also, the way that Big Mom phrases that back then, like, you know, oh, is this the first time you're joining up with rocks? seems to imply that Rox did not have a fixed crew that he always sailed with. It might have been like they were based on Hachinosu, the pirate paradise. And uh, through the Davy back fight, he would like recruit certain members. Like, it's like Rox came out and he's like, hey, everybody, I'm going on another trip. I'm going on another uh, sailing adventure. Who's in? And then they do the Davy back and it's like, all right, Edward Newgate, uh, Charlotte, uh, oh, this kid, Kaido, whatever. You can be the cabin boy. Let's go, right? And so maybe it's something like that. He didn't always have a fixed crew. So Big Mom's like, oh, is this the first time you're sailing with him? I've sailed with him a few times. He's a scumbag. Don't pay attention to him. Don't, don't listen to anything he's saying. Uh, I'm the one you pay attention to, right? And that just goes to say, like what Whitebeard said, like Rox's crew was very dysfunctional, okay? They were very, very much a motley crew of pirates thrown together that were just kind of destined to fall apart, right? So we don't get much more with that, although we do get an interesting little look into Kaido's past and how at the end of the day, he's like, you know what? Me and that old bag. We really did know each other for a long time. I hated her guts, but, uh, man, she's gone.
And he starts to cry. And as Kaido is weeping, he says, you know, we were supposed to find the One Piece together just when we decided to put aside our differences. We This happened, right? And so Luffy, in an epic double-page spread to end out the chapter, Luffy goes into gear fourth, Snake Man, and begins to launch a new technique, Gamu Gamu no Hydra. And it's just like, it's like Gatling on steroids, right? It's like Kovrian plus Gatling, Armament Hockey, Snake Man, just unloading on Kaido. And Luffy says, I don't give a crap about your ambitions. Your ambitions, your dreams, your goals all have to do with uh, causing starvation and misery in the land of Wano. So I don't give a crap what you wanted to do. I don't care about your alliance. I don't care that you wanted to find the One Piece, become King of the Pirates. You, you made all these people suffer along the way, and that's not how you do it. I'm going into Gear Forth, and I'm going to start punching you, and I am not stopping until you go down or until I pass out. That is how this is going. That is this arrangement. And so that's what Luffy's like. I'm giving Gear Forth one last go. I'm just not going to stop until one of us drops, okay? Let's do this. I'm betting it all, okay? Luffy does it. And the last scene of the chapter, he's like, I'm kicking you out of this country for good. End of chapter. I don't think there's a break next week. No break next week. All right, good. Awesome. All right. I'm pumped. I'm going to be on vacation next week, so I will still review the chapter. It just won't be in this area in my studio space, but I'll still do it because I was actually really hoping it was going to be a break next week because I was on vacation and like, because this is really heating up right here. Like, next chapter, you know, screw it, might be the last chapter of the fight. It might be the climactic battle, and I'm like, I'm not going to be here. So that sucks, but like, still talk about it, definitely. Um, oh my god. So, this was a really good recap chapter. It was a little bit long. We got to really see everybody and what they're doing right now. Like I said, the Drake and CP0 fight, I really think that's just going to be mostly off screen, and then later we'll see Drake defeating him. Um, you know, the situation with Orochi is going to be resolved maybe next chapter. Actually, it might be better to get rid of that resolved next chapter and then, you know, Kaido. Or maybe Orochi and Kaido could be defeated at the same time as, like, Poetic Justice. You know, they ruled Wano together for all those decades, ruined so many lives, and they go down at the same time. That would be really cool to see that. Um, I really think Denjiro is going to make an appearance soon. We're going to see that. Um, everybody else, I think, is just going to get crowded together, and they're going to be huddling in the middle of Onigashima, because that's the only place that isn't collapsing. Maybe part of the Skull Dome might actually begin to collapse as well, like from underneath. Yamato might have to, you know, go back to the surface, go back to the to the surface level or whatever. Um, and, you know, we might find out more with Momonosuke, but I really think that's going to be held off until the end of the battle. Like, after the battle is over, we'll find out more about that. A um, lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to go into with this chapter, but thanks for watching, everybody. This will be teching for right now. I will bid you adieu. Signing out. Woo!